So this morning, uh, we're looking at uh, John chapter 14, uh, verses 1 through 14. Uh, you can follow along uh, on the screen beside me, or hopefully you've got it with you. Uh, just, a, just a word, uh, really quickly, um, for those of you who, uh, who aren't regular part of Renew, what I've been doing uh, recently, uh, really for the last uh, five, six months, is I've been following this thing called the lectionary. Uh, and what that is, is it's a book that's sort of split into year A, B, and C. I don't want to bore you, but I just want you to know how we choose what we're talking about. And uh, each year is divided up uh, into different seasons according to the church calendar. And every Sunday, uh, they have various biblical texts for us to look at. And so this happens to be what's, what's on tap for this morning. Uh, and one of the things that I love about this is that uh, we are, we're now connected to the larger church, the global church, because there are literally millions of people thinking and pondering about this text here this morning. So uh, I, I think that's cool. I like it. So uh, that's why we're doing that. Um, so John 14, 1 through 14, uh, before we read, uh, again, let's pray together. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Thank you. Thank you for this opportunity for us to, to gather together and to, to hear a word from you. God, we ask that you would open us up, that our, our hearts would be open, our minds would be open. Help us to, help us to get you to know you better. Transform us in all of the ways that we need it. Give us a vision of what's possible. And just meet us here in this place. Help us to hear your voice. Amen. John 14, starting at verse 1, Jesus says this. Do not let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God. Trust also in me. In my Father's house there are many rooms. If it were not so, I would have told you. I'm going there to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me that you also may be where I am. You know the way to the place where I am going. And then Thomas said to him, Lord, we don't know where you're going, so how can we know the way? And Jesus answered, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you really knew me, you would know my father as well. From now on, you do know him and you have seen him. And Philip said, Lord, show us the father. That will be enough for us. Give us some evidence. Show us some concrete stuff here, Jesus. Jesus answered, don't you know me, Philip? Even after I have been among you for such a long time, anyone who has seen me has seen the father. How can you say, show us the father? Don't you believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? The words I say to you are not just my own. Rather, it is the Father living in me who is doing his work. Believe me when I say that I am in the Father and the Father is in me, or at least, at least believe on the evidence of the miracles themselves. I tell you the truth. Anyone who has faith in me, anyone who has faith in me, will do what I have been doing. 
he will do even greater things than these, because I am going to the Father. And I will do whatever you ask in my name, so that the Son may bring glory to the Father. You may ask me for anything in my name, and I will do it. We'll go that far. Who talks like that? I mean, really. It's so fascinating and interesting. What is he doing? What is he talking about? He says, do not let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God. Trust also in me. I'm going to my father's house and I'm going to prepare a place for you. And then I'm going to come back and I'm going to take you to be with me. And by the way, you know the way to the place where I am going. Really, who talks like that? What is happening here? So here's what we have going on here. Scholars call this part of John's story about Jesus the farewell discourses. So all that means is we're sort of nearing the end, and Jesus knows it. He knows what's ahead. He knows what's coming. He knows suffering is coming. It's, it's likely he knows that the cross is coming. So this is sort of his way of saying goodbye. At least it, it sort of feels that way. That's why we call it the farewell discourses. And Jesus knows that his followers are going to have all sorts of different questions. Questions like, what are you even talking about, Jesus? It's like, why are you leaving? Like, we're just getting this thing started. Like, this movement is just starting to gain the kind of steam that we want it to gain. It's really starting to go somewhere. So why are you leaving? How is this thing going to continue if you're gone? What about all of our plans for the future? Why does it all of a sudden feel like the ground is shifting underneath our feet? Right? So they have all sorts of questions. So Jesus gathers them together and he talks to them sort of for, for one last time. So what's Jesus saying here? What's he up to? What is he doing? Well, as usual, who can say for sure? But I do have some suggestions and, and I think they're good ones. Uh, so I'll just give them to you. I think Jesus is, is trying to help them let go. I think he's also trying to prepare them for what's to come. I think he's trying to teach them. And believe it or not, I think he's actually trying to, to inspire them. That's four things I'll talk about. Normally I give you three, but since it's Mother's Day, you get an extra one. Happy Mother's Day. Um, so let's start. I think, I think he's trying to help them let go. You see, we think we know what the disciples wanted. We think we know what the disciples expected from the divine. Like we think, we think they wanted God to work through Jesus to start a kind of revolution. Not just any kind of revolution, but their kind of revolution. We think we know that they wanted God to work through Jesus to sort of end the Roman occupation of their homeland and overthrow the empire. 
maybe even possibly by force, we think we know that they wanted God to work through Jesus to restore the kingdom of Israel with Jesus sitting on the throne as its rightful king. They like wanted to go back to the good old days. They wanted to bring that back and make it happen in the present. And Jesus says to them, just as they think that this, these kinds of things are going to happen, he says, I'm going to my father's house. I'm leaving. And implicit in his words that he's leaving and they can't go with him. Yet, at least, what is he talking about here? They can't go with him. They've been following him around for three years, going everywhere. They've dedicated three years of their lives and now he's leaving and they can't go with him. In other words, things aren't going to go the way you think they are, guys. God isn't going to work like that. I think he's trying to help them let go of their preconceived ideas about how they think God ought to work in the world. And man, I got to tell you, that's a hard thing. That's a really hard thing. And it's a, it's a struggle. And it's actually something that we all have to go through. And it makes sense too, because as we learn and grow and gain more information, we're always sort of letting go of our previous ways of thinking about the divine. And that is a really hard thing. I know I've had to do this. I still struggle to do this in some pretty big ways. Like for instance, I've had to, and I think a lot of us, I think we've a lot of us have had to let go of the transactional kind of deity, the transactional God. This is the God where we think, if I do this, well, then God will do that. If I behave, well, then I will be loved. We'd never really say that. Like, we believe we're loved, and we say that we believed we're, we're loved no matter what, but our actions sort of betray those words. We think if I mess up, then God will be angry and heap down punishment on me. If I'm really good, then I will be blessed. I think we sort of have to let go of this transactional kind of deity. Here's another one. Letting go of the God who controls everything. That's a hard one right there. But this is the God who sort of helps me find my keys. This is the God who helps me find that parking space that's really close because I don't want to be in the store very long. I want to make this really quick. So please, God, give me a parking space that's really close so I can run in and run out. This is the God who helps me get a good grade on my test even though I haven't studied. This is the God who, who never lets me get sick. This is the God who controls everything. Some of us have had to let go of that kind of thinking. Here's another one. Letting go of the God who makes faith easy. This is the God who sort of provides black and white answers to everything so that we can be totally certain. This is the God who erases all doubt. This is the God who sort of shows up in big ways and gives us overwhelming signs of his presence. And we've had to let go of all kinds of thinking about the divine and it's really hard and it's difficult and sometimes it can be scary. And so Jesus is sort of talking to them with this, 
with this compassionate edge. Do not let your hearts be troubled. It's going to be okay. What other images of the divine do you think Jesus might want you to let go of? Because that's what I think Jesus is doing here. They had this expectation of how God ought to operate in the world, and he's like, it's not going to work that way. I think he's trying to help them let go of their preconceived ideas about how God ought to operate in this world. But I think he's also doing something else. I think he's trying to prepare them for what's to come because Jesus knows that suffering is coming. We're at that part in the story. Jesus knows that the cross is coming. So he's trying to get them ready for all of that. He says, you know the way to the place where I am going. Now, at this point in the story, it, it seems as though the disciples aren't, aren't quite tracking. Like they're not, they're not with him. They're not getting it. And, and we can't really blame them. It's not like they're dumb. They just weren't getting it. They didn't see it coming. And And that's okay. We probably wouldn't have either. So Thomas, he says what everybody else is thinking. He's like, Jesus, we don't know where you're going, so how can we know the way? And apparently they're taking him really literally here. Apparently they think he's going to Capernaum, or maybe he's going to Galilee, or maybe he's going to the place of his birth at Bethlehem, maybe, or some other town. They think he's doing that, but but he's not. He's headed to this place he calls his his father's house and the way to get there because we know the rest of the story the way he gets there it it's the way of suffering we know that he will be beaten stripped whipped flogged killed that's the way to the place where jesus is going that's the jesus way it's the way of suffering It's the way of the cross. It's the way of service. It's the way of self-sacrifice. That's the Jesus way. It's the way of unconditional, indestructible, self-giving love. He's trying to prepare them for what they will see him go through. But he's also trying to prepare them for life after he's gone. Like if there's still going to be Jesus people then they're going to have to follow the Jesus way, which is the way of suffering, the way of self-sacrifice, the way of self-giving love. And look, maybe the disciples should have seen all this coming. I don't really know. But when you read through the stories about Jesus in the Bible, other than eat, sleep, pray, and maybe have some fun in the middle somewhere, does Jesus ever do anything for himself? We read through the stories about him. He's constantly just giving himself to others, constantly giving himself away. He even had this thing, this life principle. He said, I came to serve, not to be served. And then he showed everyone how it's done. We see Jesus healing and teaching and forgiving and loving and accepting and transforming and putting lives back together. He's constantly giving himself away. Look, here's the deal. We live in a world. We live in a world full of anger, greed, lust, violence, and wild conspiracy theories. Everyone's out to get us. And when we live in a world like that, we're taught to to grab what we can while the grabbing is good, right? 
especially during a pandemic, right? We all know what happened with toilet paper. And now stores are like, we ain't letting that happen with meat, only two per person, right? Because we live in a world of anger and greed and grab what you can, right? Take care of yourself and let everybody else fend for themselves. I mean, we live in an I-me-focused world. It's just the way it is. And in this world, Jesus shows us a totally different way of life, a totally different way of living. It's the Jesus way. It's the way of service, the way of self-sacrifice. It's the way of self-giving love. So living the Jesus way means suffering, giving yourself away so that others might live life to the fullest. Right? That's the Jesus way. You know the way. You know the way, Jesus says. I've shown you the way, this whole way. You know the way. So Jesus is trying to help his disciples and prepare them to live life that way. And in preparing them, I think he's preparing us too. But there's more. The disciples are still a bit confused. So what does Jesus do? He goes into full teacher mode. He's trying to teach them. Right? This is like their last lecture. Like he's leaving He wants to make absolutely certain that they know who he is and what he's been trying to accomplish. So he says to them, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you really knew me, you would know my Father as well. From now on, you do know him and you have seen him. Again, who talks like this? Well, Jesus does. Pretty much saying, in other words, if you want to know what God is like, Jesus is saying, look at me. It's like, if you want to know how God treats people, look at me. If you want to know how God accepts people, look at me. If you want to know how God offers love and grace and healing and forgiveness and transforms the lives of people, look at me. We may have all these preconceived ideas about the divine and how the divine ought to operate in the world, if it doesn't match with Jesus, probably need to let some of those go. He says, I am in the Father and the Father is in me. He's trying to teach them. And it won't be after he's gone until they really get it, but eventually they do get it. Eventually they come to understand that through Jesus' birth, life, suffering, death, and resurrection, We come to the divine. No one comes to the Father except through me, he says. So there's this ancient Greek philosopher named Heraclitus. What a great name, Heraclitus. Anyway, he says this, he wrote this, and I like it a lot. He says, the way up and the way down is the same way. The way up and the way down is the same way. The way we come to God is the same way that God comes to us. God comes to us in Jesus and we come to God in Jesus. It's the same way. It's the Jesus way. Just read through the Gospels, the stories about Jesus in the Bible. Just read through those and you'll find out what God is up to in the world. You'll find that Jesus is God in action. I like that. I didn't come up with it. 
it was given to me by a guy named Eugene Peterson. So I'm going to give you more of what he has to say because he was way smarter than I am. Listen to these words. Jesus is God in action. Jesus is God speaking. Jesus is God touching lepers. Jesus is God forgiving a condemned and dying criminal and an adulterous woman hounded by men holding rocks poised to kill her. Jesus is God blessing children. Jesus is God giving sight to Bartimaeus and life to Lazarus. Jesus is God calling down judgment on religious posturing. Jesus is God weeping over Jerusalem. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Jesus is the way we come to God. Jesus is the way that God comes to us. So good. So he's trying to teach them. You want to know what the divine is like? Just look at me. That's what he says. I am in the Father. The Father is in me. If it doesn't fit with me, then you might have to let that go. He's trying to teach them, but he's not done yet. He's also, he's also trying to inspire them. He says in verse 11, Believe me when I say that I am in the Father. And the Father is in me, or at least believe on the evidence of the miracles themselves. I tell you the truth. Which is another way of saying, pay attention. <laughs> like, what I'm saying is really important. This is truth. I tell you the truth. He says, anyone who has faith in me will do what I have been doing. Oh, makes it really simple, y'all. Anyone who has faith in me will do what I have been doing. He will do even greater things than these. Greater things than these? We've seen what you did, Jesus. We've seen what you do, Jesus. Greater things? This is like a whole different level now, and I'm not even really all that sure what that means. So he's not even really just helping them let go of preconceived notions about the divine and how the divine operates in the world. He's not, just, he's not just preparing them for what's to come. He's not just teaching them. He's also trying to inspire them. He's inviting them and us to participate in this thing he calls the kingdom of God. He's inviting them and us to participate in the Jesus way kind of life. And we know what that is. We just talked about it. It's the way of suffering. It's the way of sacrifice. It's the way of indestructible, unconditional, self-giving love. And when we live life the Jesus way, we will do greater things. And the world will never be the same. The world will, will be transformed, really. And if enough of us get in on it, I think all sorts of other people will look at that and they'll say, yeah, that's definitely a better way to live right there. I'm in. Greater things? Greater things. He's trying to inspire them. But friends, when I think of people participating in the Jesus way kind of life, I think of people like Dorothy Day. If you don't know who Dorothy Day was, you should probably Google her. Because her story is fantastic and fascinating and amazing. 
She started the whole Catholic workers movement that cared for the poor, people who are, who are on the margins. I think of people who are participating in the Jesus way kind of life. I think of people like, like Mother Teresa who literally gave up every earthly comfort in order to love the lepers in Calcutta. I think of people like Martin Luther King Jr. who literally gave up his life in the nonviolent fight for civil rights. It's a fight that continues on today. Those are like spiritual giants in the world. But I also think of hundreds and thousands and and millions of of everyday people living the Jesus way kind of life. I think of doctors and nurses who are literally risking their health for the health of others right now. I think of patient teachers and coaches who give their lives to the young ones. I think of Sunday school teachers. I think of renewed kids teachers who on the other end of this building pour their lives into the youngest among us. I think of, I think of moms and sometimes dads who give up their dreams in the workforce in order to stay at home and make sure their kids are well loved. I think of, I think of people in grocery stores, people who work there who get badgered by mean and impatient customers because everybody's a little bit, everybody's a lot on edge right now. And all they do is take it and move on to the next customer. Have you seen this happen? I've seen it a number of times. And it's grace right there. Without even knowing it, perhaps, they're living the Jesus way kind of life. They don't respond in kind. They're just like, we're in this together. And if enough of us get on it, get in on it, all sorts of people, hundreds, thousands of people will will look at that and say, yeah, I'm in. I want to join the Jesus way kind of life because, because it's the only way the world gets transformed. Jesus said, do not let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God. Trust also in me. <clears throat> In my Father's house, there are many rooms, and I'm going there to prepare a place for you, and I'll come back and get you so that you might also be where I am, and you know the way to the place where I am going. Yeah, you know the way. You know it. We all know it. Deep down in our bones, in the deepest parts of ourselves, we've always known it on some level. Even though we're taught all sorts of different ways, we know We know the way. It's the way of suffering. It's the way of the cross. It's the way of service. It's the way of self-sacrifice. That's the Jesus way. It's the way of unconditional, indestructible, self-giving love. It costs us something. But, oh man, is it worth it. And it's really, when you think about it, it's the only way to make this world the kind of world that we really want it to be, the kind of world that that God wants it to be. Let's pray. God, thank you. Thank you for showing us the way. Thank you for being the way. Thank you for showing us exactly what God is like, Jesus. Thank you. God, help us to pay attention to you. Help us to, to pay attention so that we can follow you along the way, so that we can constantly think of new and 
different ways to just give ourselves away to the people who are around us in our lives. Help us to show the same kind of unconditional, indestructible love that you've shown us. Help us to show that to the world so that we can work with you in making this world the kind of world you want it to be. We want you to know that we love you. In Jesus' name, amen.